You can go ahead and turn to Romans 7. thought I was going to say 8, didn't you? It'll be a few minutes before I get there, but we can go ahead and turn to it. When um, Brother Newell called me Thursday, let me know that uh, our pastor was going to be a little longer getting home, and asked me if I wanted to do the facet that I was supposed to do Sunday. I thought, okay. Um, I thought, well, I said, this might be a little bit of an advantage. I can go back and listen to what everybody else did and kind of get a feel for it and see if I was on the right track. Well, I don't know how much of an advantage it was because when I listened to it, I found out that about two-thirds of what I wanted to say in my outline had already been said, and some of it pretty significantly, and I just got a little stressed. And the Lord comforted me and took me to 2 Peter 1, 12 and 13, where he says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, Amen. though you know them, and be established in the present truth. <laughs> Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Amen. Paul said something very similar, very similar to that in Philippians 3.1. So I feel if uh, Peter and Paul were comfortable with it, I feel that uh, I'll be okay with it. I hope that this puts you in remembrance and stirs you up. Amen. Um, the topic that I have is redemption. Um, another blessing I got from this was that I, I, when I talked to our pastor about this, I got, I got in on this on the tail end of it, and uh, redemption is probably not what I would have chose. But when I talked to our pastor about it, he told me that one of the hardest things I was going to have to do, this would be probably the hardest one to get within a 10, 12-minute time frame. So um, our brother has... Uh, for the lack of speakers and, and other reasons, our brothers graciously allowed me a little more time, so I hope you all bear with me. Um, like I said, the subject I had is redemption. As most of you all that know me know, if I had uh, had a choice on what I was going to, if I had been first in line and had a choice on the facet that I would have taught, I would have definitely picked adoption. That is, without a doubt, my favorite. And I stand with James and with my passion, and, I, and it's still my favorite. And I'm passionate about it, and I love it. What, you know, what manner of love is this? It's amazing. Um, But I'm here to tell you right now, without redemption, that wouldn't have been possible. Uh, Like I said, adoption is my favorite, but I would not have been adopted. None of these facets would have been possible without the redemption, without our Redeemer. Okay, so now, what is redemption? The definition, the the, uh, dictionary definition is it's an economic or financial work of buying someone or something back from another that has a legitimate and binding claim against it. Something, if something has a binding claim against you, the only way you can get out of it is to be redeemed from it, to be bought back. Right. So what I want to do is quickly go over, ask three questions, basically. Ask and answer three questions that I think anybody that has been redeemed or needs to be redeemed, should want to know. Uh, the first one, why did we need redeemed? You know, if I need to be redeemed, I want to know why. This subject was covered very thoroughly by just about everybody, but I'm going to touch on it again to bring us into remembrance. Very quickly, Genesis 2:16 and 17 tells us that Adam could eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he couldn't. And that the day he did, he would surely die. Genesis 3, 6 tells us that he surely did eat of that fruit, him and his wife, and he surely did die that day. 
Physically, he died, what, 900 and some odd years later. But spiritually, in relationship to God, he died that instant, that day. And we know that by his actions and the things that he showed, which we're not going to get into right now. But everybody here, I hope, knows that. Somebody might say, how does that affect me? That was 6,000 years ago, roughly. I mean, I wasn't there. I I had nothing to do with this. What What do you mean? Well, Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, our brother Jonathan Carnell did an excellent job of covering this last week, and more, as he covered most of the chapter. So I'm not going to elaborate much on that other than to say what I want us to take out of this is that by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Okay? And so death passed upon all men. Adam was our perfect representation. He, just as Jesus is our representation of righteousness, he was our perfect representation of of sin. And and, and he, he had a chance, and he blew it, and passed that on to all of us. Paul, and this is where I want to read very quickly, Romans seven 14. I'm just going to read one chapter, one verse. Paul confirms this of himself in Romans seven fourteen when he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. What I want you to take from that is sold under sin. Paul himself, the great apostle, knew that he was sold under sin. Years ago, he was sold on sin. He didn't have a choice in the matter. He was sold under sin. And Paul, the great apostle, needed a redeemer. and needed to be redeemed just as much as any of us. Right. Another question one might say, you know, somebody might say, and I know nobody in this congregation will say this, but or at least I hope you wouldn't. Somebody might have the attitude and say, well, that's not fair. You know, that's not fair. I wasn't there. I didn't do anything. I didn't have a chance to prove that I wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> I believe, I, I feel very confident that I can stand up here and answer scripturally for the Lord and say to, that, to anybody that would ask that question, yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Here now, all house of Israel, is not my way equal? Is not your ways unequal? The Lord God, as we have heard many times from our pastor, and I'm just going to briefly mention this, and we've heard it from others, he gave us a perfect representation. He gave us a perfect man. In a perfect world, with a perfect wife, and I could go on and on, he gave him one stinking commandment, and he couldn't keep it. And he didn't keep it. And that sentence was passed on to us, and I got news for you, and I can say this because I know the wickedness of your hearts, and I, because I know the wickedness of mine. If you would have been in the Garden of Eden, I don't know how long it took Adam to sin, but if it took him ten years, it probably would have took you ten seconds. And it probably would have took some of you quicker than that. It wouldn't have took some of you that long, myself included. So, enough on that. I believe we've established why we need a Redeemer. Why we need to be redeemed. Now, the second question that I would ask, that I would want to know, is who or what did we, did we need redeemed from? I mean, in other words, who was it to be paid to, and who or what had a legitimate binding claim against us? Just very quickly, as our brother Nathan touched on, and I'm not going to elaborate on this much either, but brother Nathan touched on last Sunday, and as our pastor touched on also two Sundays ago, it wasn't the devil. Right. The devil, yeah, you know, the devil did have claims. He could make claims against us. He could go before God 
because he knew that God was just and holy and could not allow these things to happen. He could go before God and say, yes, as I, as I love the way our pastor put it last Sunday, two Sundays ago, as, um, as a prosecutor, basically. He could make accusation. He could point his finger at us and say he's guilty. And he was right. We were guilty. Right. And we couldn't stand there. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. I think Nathan did a very good job in covering that with Ransom last uh, Sunday. Okay, if it wasn't the devil, what was it? What had a claim against us? What was it that, 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 that we needed redeemed from, that had us in bondage? You know, we've already established, you know, it was sin. But what, why? It was the claims of God's law. Amen. God's absolute and eternal justice and wrath had to be paid and satisfied. For his holy nature and righteous character could not accept wickedness. If y'all were turning with me, I meant to tell y'all this earlier, to Nahum, the first chapter. Um, God could not accept wickedness. Couldn't do it. People, some people, I hear some people saying, you know, in their sarcasm and making light and uh, mocking the Lord, is there anything God can't do? You know, yeah, there's something he can't do. He can't overlook wickedness. That's right. There has to be a price paid for it. He cannot let it go. His justice, his holiness, his, his character will not allow it. It's impossible. Amen. I'm going to read just uh, the book of Nahum, chapter 1, verse 3. I'm only going to read half the verse. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. There's other places we can turn to look at that. I think Daniel covered it in Psalms 5, and others covered it. But the fact of the matter is, God cannot acquit evil. He cannot overlook it. If, 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 our, if our young brother Adam or one of the others in, in the congregation, if he, if he offends his father, you know, they're, they're, there's probably going to be punishment involved, and there's going to be trouble, and Adam's probably going to have a... Uh, sore behind or however his father chooses to deal with it. But he's not going to end that relationship over that. That relationship is not going to be broke. And Stephen can let that go and overlook it after he's dealt with it to a certain degree. God couldn't do that. He can do it now, but he couldn't do it without there being a price paid. Amen. Um, you know, you may, you may uh, think to yourself, somebody may say, you know, well, you know, I, I haven't broke the law. I'm, you know, if you're somebody's foolish and stupid enough to believe that, um, Ecclesiastes 7:20 tells us that there is not a just man. And these scriptures, I want you to keep these two scriptures in mind that I'm fixing to read because they'll come back later on down the in the, in the teachings. Ecclesiastes 7:20 tells us, for there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Romans 3.10, as we all know, tells us, as it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. I think that covers us all. Um, if you've, I think we haven't established that in the first question, and I believe we've definitely established it in the second one. The other part of that question is, who did we owe this? Okay, we owed it for the claims of God's law and His perfect righteousness. Who did it have to be paid to? Was it, we've already established it isn't the devil. It wasn't... It wasn't uh, the world or to sin or to anything else. It had to be, who, who was this ransom to be paid to? It's very simple. We all know it. It had to be paid to God himself. It had to be t- taken to the holiest of holies and given to God himself. 
Hebrews 9.14 tells us, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself to God, through the eternal spirit offered himself to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Amen. So, I believe we've answered why we need a Redeemer. I believe we've answered to whom do we owe that redemption and what what is it that we're in bondage to? What is it? Who is it that has the claim on us? It's God. What is it that has the claim on us? It's just God's perfect nature. He cannot accept wickedness. So the last question, and my, I, I want to say my favorite. You know, I said earlier about adoption being my favorite facet, and it is. But as I was reading this, and as I was studying this mostly last week and some the last day or two, I also went over this and thought on it and read on it and did different things. It just, I mean, I, I can't tell you how often I was just fighting back tears and, 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 and anger and joy. It was, it, it was just the, the range of emotions that just took me through as the Lord helped me to understand this better was, was so, such a blessing. And if y'all get one tenth, if y'all get one hundredth of what I got out of, if y'all get one tenth or one hundredth out of hearing this that I got out of studying for it, then y'all will be extremely blessed. This is amazing. This, this amazes me to think about it. But anyway, the final question that I would want to ask, by what means and with what were we redeemed? In other words, in, in, in simple terms that I can understand, what had to happen and what was the price that had to be paid? Something had to happen. Okay? A price had to be paid, a certain price. It, had, it, had, it couldn't be just any old thing. It had to be a certain thing, and it had to happen a certain way. Right. Um, Leviticus 16.15 tells us, and this is, for those that aren't familiar, this is the, talking about the, the Leviticus 16. is talking about the Day of Atonement and all that and, and what had to go on then. But I'm just going to read 16.15 to you. Then shall he kill, he's talking about the, the priest, the high priest, he shall kill the goat of the sin offering. What that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullet and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. I ask the question, by what means? Death. By what price? What was the ransom? What was, had to be paid? Blood. But there was a problem with this, with this Levitical um, redeeming system, so to, so to speak. It was just a shadow, for one thing, as Hebrews 10.1 tells us. But Hebrews 10, uh, 3 and 4 tells us that in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance of sin every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. We had a problem. We had a big problem. All of mankind had a big problem. And we've already established that it included every single one of us. Those claims that the devil was making, those claims that that, that death had on us, were legitimate. They were legitimate and they were binding. And we couldn't do nothing about it. And our problem was that it had to be one of us. Right. Couldn't be a goat. Couldn't be a sheep. Couldn't be an angel. It had to be a man. That's right. And not just any man. 
It had to be a perfect man. As 1 Peter 1.19 tells us, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. A perfect man. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We've already established, as I asked you to remember those two verses earlier in Ecclesiastes uh, 7.20 tells us, there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There is none righteous, no, not one. What are we going to do? We're lost. We are doomed. But wait a minute. As we all know, the story, gets, the story takes a turn. There was one that was much mightier, much wiser than us who had a plan. Right. He knew how to fix the plan. In fact, he had had that plan since before the foundations of the earth. And Acts 20, 28 tells us, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. And this is the part of this scripture that I want you to take. To feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Amen. I want you to turn to Galatians 4. In chapter, th- or chapter 4, I mean. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. God had a plan. He would send himself. He would send himself. The law had to be fulfilled, and we've already established we can't do it. We can't do it from the day we come out of the womb. We come out sinners. But God, like I said, had a plan. He would redeem us with his own blood. Well, how's he going to do this? We've already established it can't be flesh. It's got to be a, you know... I mean, it can't be a spirit or an angel. or It's got to be flesh. It's got to be a man. It's got to be made under the law in the likeness of sinful flesh. But Galatians 4, verse 4 tells us, But when the fullness of the time has come, was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman and made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Amen. That we might receive the adoptions of sons. See, James, as much as I love our facets, without redemption it couldn't have happened. So God did it. God manifested himself. As as, as we all know the term, you know, he he was totally God and totally man. And he did it. He came to this earth and he lived for 33 and a half years as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God in the flesh, God with us. And he lived a perfect life. And he fulfilled that law perfectly, without spot and without blemish. And at the end of those 33 and a half years, he went to the cross. As we all know the story, he went to the cross. He gave himself. He gave his life. Nobody took it. Nobody took it. He gave himself for us. And he died. There had to be death. He died. But there was a problem still. But this time it wasn't our problem. The problem was for it was for the devil, for the war, for for, for uh, the grave, and for death. Because death and the devil and the grave had no had no binding right to him. They, right. They, 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 I guess you could say they took something that didn't belong to him. They had a binding a binding claim and argument against us, but not against him. So anyway, Jesus went and he did that and he fulfilled that perfectly. Amen. And he went, as Hebrews 9.12 tells us, 
neither by the bloods of blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. He entered in once into the, into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. He went in there one time, one time. I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to read it now anyway. He went in there one time, one sacrifice. That was no, there was no more remembrance of sin anymore. He presented himself, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ presented himself, the lamb slain from the foundations of the world, and presented his blood, his perfect righteous blood, and fulfilled the law, and broke the curse basically for us that were under the law right. with his blood. As First Peter 1, 18 and 19 tells us, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God could accept that sacrifice. That was perfect sacrifice. He could accept that. And he did. And another question, this is maybe I had four questions, but how do we know that that happened? You know, if how do we know we only know through this word and through the changed lives we have in ourselves. So what in this word tells us, and I love this, and I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up pretty quickly. But would you turn to Revelations 5? I love this. I, y'all bear with me if I have trouble getting through it. Revelations 5 and 4. Revelations 5, verse 4 and verse 5. And I'm also going to read verse 9. Um, verse 4 was before that the Lord Jesus presented himself to the God of heaven. And as I said earlier, we had a problem. And John knew it. When John sat there, because John said, And I wept, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look their own. So John knew that we needed a Redeemer. John knew he was in trouble and no man could open it. But then the good news came. And one of the elders saith unto him, Unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the books and to loose the seven seals thereof. There was no more. John wasn't weeping anymore. And how do we know that? Because Revelation 9 tells us, And they sung a new song. I'm, I'm sorry, Revelation 5, verse 9. And they sung a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and nation and tongue and people. Amen. And tongue and people and nation. So in closing, I'm going to read one more. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read two verses. You know, if like I said, I hope I hope y'all. I, I, I'm I'm not the best orator in the world, and I don't know as much as I should. But the Lord just touched me so much with all this. I just hope it, it it's touched y'all, and I hope you will take it and think about it, and and uh, not what I've said, but what the Lord has done for us, and it's just the awesome, the awesomeness of not just this facet, but of all the facets. That's James' the adoption. I mean, thank, oh. I want to get through this. So I'm not even going to think about it. Second Corinthians 15, verse 14 and 15. 
For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. As our brother Newell touched on this morning, what I hope we'll take out of this and what my prayer is, is I pray that for each, each and every one of you, and myself included, and all of us, that, that the love, that made the love of Christ constrain each and every one of us, that we would no longer live for ourselves, right. but for the one who gave himself, for the one that redeemed us.